Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. past week I had the privilege of uh, taking in the Summer Institute of Theology at our Free Lutheran Seminary in in Minneapolis and uh, particularly I took a course uh, called Philosophy for Faith. It was taught by Dr. Jonathan Strand. Uh, He's somebody I've known from way back. He's a long-standing philosophy professor in in a college up in uh, Concordia University in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, And and he's also the son of our first uh, president of the FLC. Um, I don't know if uh, you are interested in philosophy or if you've ever taken a course in that, but, but it is sometimes mind-stretching, to say the least. Uh, you end up thinking thoughts you'd never thought before and asking questions uh, you would never have thought to even ask. Just an example of that, for instance, uh, does the color black actually exist? Or is, is it just a concept in our minds? Now, some of you are squinting and really pondering that already here. Uh, That's part of what philosophy is about, but philosophy also involves asking questions that everyone in the world does think about. Like, uh, is there a first cause to this world, or did this just happen by random chance? Dr. Strand uh, sums up philosophy as the attempt to answer fundamental questions um, by rigorous thinking. And uh, certainly it was a week that involved exercise of the brain, But you know, as a pastor and uh, as a Christian, I definitely believe that there is value in being able to think clearly and then articulate succinctly what our beliefs are and why we hold to them and so on. So today I have some questions to ask you as we begin. Have you ever wondered this about your life? Why is it that there are some days where everything seems to be going great? Then there are other days when it seems like things go from bad to worse, and, and uh, you get partway through the day and you wonder, maybe I should have just stayed in bed. Or, or why is it that some people seem to have it all, and others seem to have nothing in this life? Why is it that there are some people at one point in their life seem to have lots of things going for them and be on top of the world, and then later in their life they end up bitter and, and miserable? Is it a matter of good and bad karma? where your positive or negative intentions and actions play out, resulting in in more of the same in this life and and also shaping things uh, in the next life? Or or is there an all-powerful God who has his hands in in the business even of our daily lives? And if so, then what does it mean to know the blessing of God? And how can we experience that? Today I'd like to take you to the Old Testament book of Numbers, where we have this very familiar passage, uh, the words of it I often recite to you and pronounce upon you at at the end of our worship service. It's it's, uh, the most familiar of all of the benedictions in the Bible, Numbers chapter 6. I invite you to look with me there as we begin reading with verse 22. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as we read now. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. 
And you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this benediction. It, it's so familiar. We've heard it many times. But as we think about it today, may we understand afresh just what it means to know your blessing in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, as you consider some of my earlier questions, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that if you seem to be having a bad day, that it's a direct indication that God is withholding his blessing from you today. You know, God has his reasons for all that he allows in our daily lives, and, and we often do not understand his ways, uh, but still he does want us to know and to experience his blessing in our lives. And the verses that I just read are, are ones you hear almost every Sunday at the end of our worship service. We um, call them the benediction, uh, and a benediction by definition is an utterance of or a bestowing of blessing. And the words of this benediction in Numbers chapter 6 were first spoken then by the Lord to Moses. Moses was a human leader of the children of Israel, or the Israelites. And they were descendants of Jacob, who had, for generations then, for about 400 years, been in Egypt. Much of that time they had been enslaved by the Egyptians. And finally, God had called Moses then to go and free his people from slavery and lead them out of Egypt. And Moses had gone to Pharaoh with that plan, and Pharaoh didn't like Moses' plan. And so then God sent various plagues to convince him. And finally, the last and the worst of the plagues was where he sent the angel of death. And it resulted in then the losing of Pharaoh's son and all of the Egyptian firstborn. And Pharaoh let the Israelites go. But a short time later, Pharaoh changed his mind. And then he pursued the Israelites uh, with his army. And then God showed his power in that Red Sea crossing. And he, he provided a way for the Israelites to go right through the Red Sea on dry land. And then the waves came crashing down uh, on, and wiped out the Egyptian army. And after that, then, the Israelites were in the wilderness. And they were on their way to the Promised Land. And the book of Numbers then starts with some things that took place just after that, in the second year after the Israelites were out of Egypt. And it begins, and the book of Numbers does, with, with a census that was being taken of all the Israelites in the wilderness. That's why they call it Numbers. And according to chapter 1, it tells us that there were 603,550 men, plus women and children. And that wasn't even counting the tribe of Levi. And chapter 2 then goes on to explain about that and tells us about the arrangement of the camps. Now as we think about that, I try to picture this here. Some of you spend some of your time um, at, at a cabin or, or a trailer in a campground on a lake in the summertime. And you might have in your, in your mind the size of that encampment or community. Or I think of uh, We Fest that occurred just a little while back here. My understanding was that they had around 120,000 people that were there for some time of that weekend. And there are 10 different campgrounds in the area that have a capacity of 35,000 being able to camp for that three-day event. That seems massive to me. Um, but in comparison then, try to imagine the size of this encampment. 
um, of the Israelites, over 600,000 men and their families, all in tents. Makes WeFest look kind of small. Well, at the end of number six, then it has this benediction, which Moses was told to speak to Aaron and his sons, and they were then in charge of worship, and they would pronounce this uh, on the people. And this benediction, as I understood it then, was that the priests would pronounce it on the people at the end of a worship service that occurred there in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Um, later, this same benediction was used in service in the temple in Jerusalem. Later still, as, as the Jews were scattered, it was pronounced um, in Jewish synagogues all over the place, in Israel and beyond. And, and still, we use this benediction today in Christian churches. Well, notice where it is that the benediction comes in our service. It's at the end of the service. It, it wouldn't really be appropriate at the beginning. Some people might misunderstand it. Um, if I said the benediction earlier in the service, some people might wake up and walk out thinking the service is over, right? I know there are people that have actually told me they, they like the benediction. It's their favorite part of the service. And if they say that because it means they get to stand up after the long sermon and, and almost time to leave, then they might be missing something. If you're one who didn't really want to be here today, for instance, somebody made you come, um, then you might be waiting for the benediction. But it's entirely possible that you would be misunderstanding what that benediction is about. The benediction is a petition for and a pronouncement of the blessing of God on individual lives. And in my opinion, that it fits at the end of the service after some other things. After, for instance, the confession of sin has been said, and we have a chance to stop and recognize afresh and confess to God in our own sinful nature and actions. It, it takes place after the law and gospel has been preached, making us aware of our individual sins and need for a Savior and also that God has sent that Savior in Jesus Christ. The benediction comes after we've sung some hymns and choruses of the faith, reminding us further of, of the love and sufficiency of God. Then we have the benediction. And if you listen only to the benediction, not to the rest of the service, you could be falsely assured that everything's okay in your life because the pastor pronounced God's blessing on you. But you see, the, the blessing of the benediction really only falls on those whose hearts are right with God. And God desires that that would include you. But it's really dependent then on how you respond to the voice of God in your life. And the words of the benediction show us in several ways and, and words that, that God's overall desire for his people is to bless them abundantly. So let's look at the, closer at the words of that benediction. Starts out, the Lord bless you. That is, the Lord give good things to you. Well, who does the Lord give good things to? Everyone, to some degree, receives the blessing of God. If you're able to breathe, that is a blessing. If you have food, that's a blessing. The Bible tells us that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And so both groups receive his blessing in that way. What are some other blessings from God according to the Bible? Well, there are places where it tells us that wealth is a blessing and good looks is a blessing and, and popularity and, and talents. Those are blessings. And sometimes we joke about some of those things and suggest, you know, somebody must have missed that line when they handed out talents in that area or, or uh, somebody wasn't blessed with good looks, we might say. But have you ever wondered why there are some people 
that are living clearly evil lives, and yet it appears they have the blessing of God. They, they seem to have it all, good looks and talents and popularity and, and money. So why does God bless them when they seem to have no time for him? Well, God tells us in his word that we're not to worry about that. Don't be jealous of what they have. If you look in Psalm 37, there it, it, it says this, and I quote, Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth, and then the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. It goes on to tell us, better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days, of the, the days of the blameless, and his inheritance will be forever. You see, having the things of this world is not a sure sign of the greatest blessing of God. The wicked might have it all in material possessions, physical temporal, temporary blessings. But if they don't have a heart that's grateful to God, if they don't know the Lord personally, then they don't have the real blessing that he wants to give them. And, and it tells us that the wicked will receive in, in eternity what they deserve. Psalm 1 tells us the way of the wicked will perish. And so God's blessing of a physical kind, those things really are blessings according to Scripture. But he also wants us to know beyond that the spiritual blessings of things like a thankful heart and peace in our life and forgiveness of all of our sins, assurance of eternal life, the help of his Holy Spirit, um, answered prayer, guidance, power to overcome evil. You, you can't put a price tag on those blessings. They are priceless blessings of a spiritual nature. And the benediction pronounces the blessing of God but to be truly blessed by God for now and eternity, our heart has to be right with him. Well, as we go on in the benediction here, it says, the Lord keep you. What's it mean to keep? It, it, it's to not dispose of something. You know, uh, with the encouragement of my wife, I, uh, this summer I've been going through some closets and some drawers and some shelves and getting rid of some stuff I really don't need anymore. We found things like 20-year-old suits that, that don't fit me, books I've never read or never planned to read, uh, and, and a worn-out pair of gloves where, you know, you got the right hand missing. Um, so we got rid of some of those things. But don't worry, I'm still keeping plenty of them. Um, because you never know when you might need some of them. There, there's another example, I think, of uh, when we think about keeping. Uh, if you go fishing uh, and you catch something, then you, have, you can have a keeper or you might have one you throw back in, Right? But you can't keep a keeper if you never caught it, right? You can only keep a keeper if you catch it and get it in your possession inside the boat. Well, the benediction pronounces the Lord's keeping of you. But he can't keep what he doesn't have in his possession. So have you come to a point in your life where you've humbled your heart before God in confession of sin and you recognize that he's in charge of your life and you told him, I'm, I'm yours? If he never had your heart, then he can't keep it. But if we come to him with an attitude of humility and surrender, then he is able to guard and to keep our heart even in the midst of temptations and trials of life. However, to be kept by the Lord does not mean that we will not be touched by evil. Rather, it means that in the midst 
of the darkness of sickness and accidents and, and even death, nothing will harm your soul. You're safe for eternity. You're secure in him. Joan read from Psalm 121. It included these words. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord's your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. And then the psalmist sums it up with, He will keep your soul. The Lord bless you and keep you. He goes on to, and make his face to shine on you. You know, when one's face shines, it, it's in the light. You might be getting a little glare out there on top of my head because of that. Well, God's face shines because he is the light. Um, whenever he is, or wherever he is, you see, then there is light because he is there. And, and so think of how dark our world would be without the sun. The, the, the sky would be black all of the time then. Um, that's what life would be like without the Lord, spiritually. It would be black. The world without the Lord's presence and without the presence of his people would be so full of evil it would destroy itself. But the benediction declares the blessing of the Lord shining his light into your life and dispelling the darkness. And he does that largely by illuminating our lives through his written word. And that's why we gather for times like this. Well, the benediction continues, the Lord be gracious to you. What is grace? Definition, unmerited favor. It's getting good things we don't deserve. You know, I remember during my junior high years when I was a, um, I went through a streak where I was kind of rebellious and especially multi toward my dad. But you know what? I still got steak for supper with the rest of the family. Steak was my favorite food. I didn't deserve it, but mom and dad were gracious to me. They gave me better than I deserved. Well, the benediction requests and declares, may God be like that to you, giving you even better than you deserve. We all deserve punishment and condemnation for eternity because of our sin and rebellion against God. But as another psalm tells us, he has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. Instead, he's had compassion on us. And, and the most significant display of his grace toward us is, of course, the gift he gave us of full forgiveness of all of our sin because of his son, Jesus Christ's death on the cross for us. And that forgiveness, then, is available to all who will humble themselves and confess their sin and trust in Jesus as their Savior. The only ones who really experience God's great grace for them that he wants to give us is those who receive Jesus into their hearts and lives and who then continue to live that out in daily repentance and faith. Well, the benediction says the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And then it says, and lift up his countenance upon you. Now, your countenance is, is your face. To lift up one's countenance and it is, is to lift up one's eyes and, and, and look to and give attention to someone or something. I don't know about you, but sometimes I fail to do that when, I'm talk when somebody's talking to me. But you know, people can tell um, when you aren't giving them your attention. They can tell it in your eyes. The benediction declares, may God lift up his eyes to you and give you his attention. Now what does it take to get God's attention? I find it interesting what it tells us in Psalm 145, for instance. There it says, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. 
It goes on to add this qualifier to all who call upon him in truth. And then it says he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He'll also hear their cry and save them. Those verses tell us uh, who the Lord does and doesn't pay attention to. He pays attention to all who call upon him in truth, all who fear him. You see, we can't pull one over on God. He knows all things, including what's in our hearts, and he knows if we're being truthful. There's another place in Scripture where it tells us that our unconfessed sins can actually cause a barrier between us and God so that he does not hear us. And so, again, it's important to live in, in repentance and faith. There are several places in the Old Testament where it talks about being upright in heart. If a heart is right with God, then he will bless us. Not necessarily with every earthly blessing that we desire, but he will bless us by listening to our prayers, by lifting up his countenance upon us, and by giving us his undivided attention. He'll smile on us and take pleasure in us. And that is an amazing thing to think about. And lastly, the benediction says, the Lord give you peace. And that last statement is really the high point or the culmination of the whole benediction. Notice it doesn't end with, may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you wealth. Much as some of us might like that. But he says, and give you peace. God's highest good for anyone is a complete peace in heart and soul. Peace right in the midst of the difficulties. Peace that doesn't fade when the problems come. But peace that stays strong in the heart now and for eternity because we know things are right with God and we know we can trust him. In this last year, I was reading through a, a book about um, Amos and Ovidi Dairud. Each for the other, all for Christ, it's called. And Amos and Ovidi served for 19 years as missionaries to Madagascar before they came back to the States because of some health issues he dealt with. And then he became the dean of our, the, the, of our Free Lutheran Seminary. And the book told about the many challenges that they and other missionaries went through on the mission field. And it included, for instance, telling about one family who happened to be relatives of mine who served alongside them and who lost their first child to a fast-acting illness um, malaria or blackwater fever, I think you call it. Um, she was away at a boarding school, and so far away that by the time they got the news, the funeral had already taken place and she'd been buried. And yet they kept on as missionaries. And their son followed in, in their footsteps for several decades afterwards. And they kept on because they knew the peace of God in their hearts. And they claimed the promise of, for instance, Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, that is the ultimate blessing of God in one's life, that deep-seated peace in the heart, peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you know that peace in your life? God wants to bless you with many things in your life, but ultimately with that lasting peace in spite of whatever else comes your way, a peace that is found in surrender of our heart and life to him, and then learning to trust him and, to, and uh, allow him to provide for us day by day as we look to him. Let us pray. Lord God, we just give you thanks for this benediction. Thank you, Lord, that you desire to bless each one of us. And sometimes we get uh, our perspective on what blessing is all about a little bit skewed. Um, but Lord, we thank you that you bless us in many ways. 
including the physical things, Lord, that uh, are important for this life and, and uh, even blessings far beyond what we um, need. But Lord, we thank you especially that you desire to, to bless us by um, giving us peace in our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you would help each one of us that as we go through the challenges of life to continue to trust you and look to you. And, and if there be somebody here today who does not know that peace in their heart, is not sure of their relationship with you, uh, not sure what, where they'd go when they died, Lord, we, we pray that you would draw them to, to look to Jesus, humble themselves in confession of sin and know that there is full forgiveness according to your word in, in all who trust in him. And, and Lord, um, if there are those going through trials uh, right now, I pray that you would help them to bring those things to you day by day and to rest in the peace that you can give them. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our songs at the end of our service both are connected kind of to that benediction and the Lord's blessing. I invite you first of all to sing number 246 in your Basser hymnal. Savior again to thy dear name we raise. And notice the words of that as we sing about God's blessing. Pray our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. <clears throat> For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, I encourage you to stick around for our service today. Uh, for our service, for our lunch and fellowship afterwards, our service today. And uh, <clears throat> now we come to that part that you've been waiting for, the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing song is uh, the next one there, 247. Lord, dismiss us with thy blessing. Thank <clears throat> you.